Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Our scripture today is found in Matthew 7, verses 3 through 12. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks find, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. May God bless the hearing of his word. The song we've just sung really uh, touched my heart to think, uh, yes, the Lord is. All of those things, beautiful, wonderful, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. And we're thankful (laughs) uh, for all of what he is. Uh, But then, uh, just like that microphone grinding away there a second ago. The whole world doesn't know that, does it? do they? In fact, the whole world doesn't live like that. The world is a world that is full of conflict and problem, uh, controversy here, there, and yonder, whether it's nationally or internationally, nations against nations, or communities against communities, local institutions, whatever it might be, there seems to be all kinds of conflict in our families, in our homes, uh, with close friends, uh, in fact, some of us may be so used to conflict, we don't even realize that conflict's going on around us because we tend to just avoid conflict. Therefore, I'm sure we need that peace that uh, the song sang about and that the Prince of Peace offers to us as Christians. Uh, how do we find peace and what's the best way to peaceful living? Our scriptures give us some good ideas. Of course, uh, in a, a brief uh, sermon this morning, we can't cover all of those ideas. you think I should do about it? I'm going, huh? Okay. If it keeps on going too badly, we'll just turn it off. But uh, even for Christians, uh, uh, you know, this, this, this is a good illustration, isn't it? I mean, you know, there's just, uh, you know, no matter, even if you want to speak on peace, there's always some kind of something that's going to interrupt that peace, isn't there? Uh, But I think Christians have a better chance at peace than perhaps people in the world around us because we have that Prince of Peace living in our hearts. And today I want to share with you some of those steps to peace. And the first one of those steps is to glorify God, to glorify God. God needs our glory. The Westminster Catechism tells us that uh, the chief end of man is to glorify God forever. So our response to that should be, Whatever it might be in our life, we are seeking to glorify God through it. 
in any situation, we might want to ask ourselves, what will glorify God in this particular situation? Will my next words, my next actions glorify God? Many times uh, when we're living our life from day to day, we're, we're aware that there are possible conflicts ahead of us. Uh, we're going to meet somebody and we think there might be a possibility for conflict. We're going to go to a situation and we're going to see that there might be a possibility for conflict. And so we can say ahead of time, we can deliberate ahead of time, we can prepare ahead of time by asking, what can I say or what can I do that will glorify God? You've heard the saying that carpenters, we have at least uh, one carpenter or two in our midst here, I understand. Carpenters always say measure twice and cut once, right? So you could change that to say that about a peacemaker. A peacemaker may say, Think twice about what you're going to say, and then act once. And then next, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount what could be the second step of peacemaking, and that is get the log out of your own eye. Take the plank out of your own eye, another translation says, or get the beam out of your eye first, I think the King James Version says. I remember the other day thinking about uh, one of my uh, close family members, and and I thought to myself, I wish he wouldn't talk so much. <laughs> and, you know, I was going to say something about it to him. He kind of monopolizing the conversation. And then I, since I was going to preach on this, all of a sudden I thought, mm, get the plank out of your own eye, Victor, you know. <laughs> and I realized, you know, that, that's my problem. I talk too much, you know. So uh, maybe he came by it uh, honestly. Who knows? But anyhow, I realized that I often talk too much, so... You know, I need to take that plank out of my own eye before I can address that situation in somebody else's life. I need to pray first about a situation and then ask the Lord to lead me and to share with me a way in which I can approach whatever that situation is, whether it's somebody that's talking too much or some other problem that I see in someone's life. Maybe then the Lord will lead that person to see that they're uh, in need in a particular area of their life. And that's a more peaceful way to arrive at a conclusion, to get the log out of your own eye first and then to, to talk to somebody else. And then third, the scriptures tell us quite clearly to gently restore. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul tells us, he says, Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted." Restore that one gently. <clears throat> Sometimes we're too abrupt whenever we attempt to create peace, and it's kind of uh, contradictory, isn't it? We, we create more problem by trying to create peace in someone's life or in our own lives. My West Virginia Baptist Convention colleagues, where I worked for 20 years, they got to know me so well that they would say sometimes to me, Victor, why don't you really tell us what you mean, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because they, they knew that I wasn't just going to uh, keep back my thoughts. I was going to tell them what I thought. And so I'm learning for a long period of time to gently restore it, to not be so abrupt in what I say. In Proverbs chapter 15, uh, the, the writer says, A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. My dad said he was, uh, he was not patient when he was a young man. My dad used to tell us that, and he said, learn from me. And uh, the older he got, I noticed the more patient my dad became. 
And when he was older, he was the one people came to when they needed to find a peaceful solution to some particular problem or another uh, in the community or in the church or wherever. And so gently restoring someone with great patience. Jesus, in his golden rule, the passage that we read this morning, adds the idea uh, to, to this idea of gently restoring by saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We want, to be, we want other people to be gentle with us, obviously, so we need to, in turn, uh, be gently restoring them if that need arises. And then James tells us in his writing, when he says that peacemakers are considerate, sincere, impartial. That peacemakers are a harvest of righteousness. Uh, and he ties the two things together. Uh, peace and righteousness go together. And so as we live a peaceful life, we're going to be more likely to be able to live a righteous life. And if we're determined to live a righteous life, then part of that is going to be living a peaceful life as well. And then fourth, it says, go and be reconciled. Jesus taught us this in that passage just before uh, the one we read this morning in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says in verse uh, 23, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So Jesus is saying it's more important uh, to uh, go and be reconciled with your brother than it is even to go to church, to go to worship. He's talking about people who went to the temple and offered their gifts. So he said, first, before you worship, go and be reconciled with your brother. Reconciliation is a key teaching in the New Testament in a lot of different places. The Apostle Paul ran into a lot of churches that were conflicted, and so he had to write to them and encourage them to try to be uh, peaceful in their relationships with one another. And in 2 Corinthians, he tells the uh, church there <coughs> about reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation that they had. Let me read some of that to you. It says, so Oh, I need to back up one. Uh, verse 17, uh, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So if anyone is a Christian, then, uh, our old way of dealing with people... And of dealing with conflict should be different uh, now that we've become a Christian. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's saying because we are reconciled in Christ, then we have an opportunity to join Christ in that ministry of reconciliation by being reconciled to others. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting men's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So we become ambassadors for Christ, going forth and being reconciled and being ministers of reconciliation to the people around us, whether it's at home in our family or at school or at work or in the community or wherever it might be. 
Paul calls us ambassadors of reconciliation. To be someone's ambassador means you represent them and bring their thoughts uh, to someone else. So as ministers of reconciliation, we bring God's thoughts, our, God's word, to others. We represent others by using God's word uh, towards them in that ministry of peace and reconciliation. It's been a privilege for me in, the, in those years that I was area minister to work with churches who needed a ministry of reconciliation. Unlike your church, you guys all get along so well, I, I can't hardly believe it. I mean, you know, I haven't been in a Baptist church where people didn't yell at each other before, so you know, I didn't, uh, didn't know what to do when I first came. So I'm so glad to see that you folks get along so well with each other. But that's not the case everywhere. One of my responsibilities was to be that minister of reconciliation and helping churches to come back and reconcile with each other. And it was a joy to see how Christ could reconcile people who were at odds with each other and bringing them back together in the peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus. And then, fifth, uh, when we know someone, uh, when, when, when someone knows that we live at peace, with others of a wide variety of different kinds of people, then they want to be at peace with us too. Uh, it'll be easier to gather new friends whenever we are at peace with the people around us. And we can influence even more and more. Our, our sphere of influence increases as we live at peace with other people and we're able to gather new friends. Friends who will be quite different from us, just like the picture there, the, the the lion and the lamb and the dove, uh, they're quite different from each other, but living in peace in that picture. Our world needs that kind of a picture. You and I need to, to live in such a way that people who are as different from us as a lion and a lamb will want to live at peace with us and will want to hear the message of peace about Jesus' love and forgiveness. Romans 12 and verse 18 tells us, if it is possible, live at peace with all persons. And we do that by letting God take the revenge, Paul says in that passage. We, we center on helping those people who are in need. Even, uh, even our enemies, he says, if you help your enemies, uh, that's, that's a good sign of a peacemaker. And that will compound our success in gathering more and more friends into the family of God, into uh, the peaceful community of people who are reconciled with God through Christ and then are in that ministry of reconciliation. If it is possible, live at peace with all persons. Now, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes it's difficult to live at peace. And so then we have to go from uh, helping our enemies to praying for our enemies. The other night, uh, on uh, Wednesday night in, in prayer meeting, we were going around and sharing our prayer concerns like we usually do. And someone came up with the idea, well, you know, we're even supposed to pray for our enemies. And so I said, well, does anybody have any enemies here you want to pray for? Well, we didn't exactly have a whole list of enemies to pray for, but uh, the, the point was well taken, that we even pray uh, for our enemies. And so that might be the extent of the opportunity that we have to create peace with someone. If it's possible, if it's impossible, then we can pray uh, even for our enemies and uh, let God take care of the rest. And then the next G for peacemaking is to follow the great commandment. The great commandment is the one that Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 22. Just let me remind you of that. 
he tells us there in Matthew 22, let's see, it's verse 37. One more page. There it is. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We find uh, Jesus encouraging us to love him, Jesus, to love others, and to love yourself. Uh, Paul gives that, uh, an illustration of that from marriage. He says that uh, we... Uh, that if, if we're at peace with God, uh, then we'll be at peace with ourselves. If we're at peace with ourselves, then that creates an opportunity to be at peace with our spouse. And then we can take care of our spouse uh, as we take care of ourselves. When my spouse, when my wife Dawn takes care of herself, what she's doing is really also taking care of me because taking care of ourselves then allows us to be in a position uh, where then we can take care of others. When we take care of peace with God in our own life, then that allows us to take care of the possibility of helping other people to create peace in their life and peace between us and them, whether it be a husband and wife or whether it be a friend or neighbor, whoever it might be. We all know people who need peaceful, who need an example of a peaceful family. There's just a lot of... Uh, of people in this world that don't know what it means to have a peaceful family. They've never lived in a peaceful family. And so as you live at peace, you're going to set an example for people who may not have that example in their life. And you're going to help them to see the possibility of a peaceful family and a peaceful life. If people don't have that even in uh, rem the remotest idea in their mind, what a peaceful family or a peaceful marriage is all about... How can they have a peaceful marriage of their own? How can they have a peaceful family of their own without your example in their life? We all know and we all care for our spouses, at least we say out loud we do. And one of the ways we can is to demonstrate that through loving Jesus and loving ourselves so that we'll then be available and able to love our spouses. And then the last G of peacemaking is found in the Great Commission. Go into the entire world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the Great Commission. It's based on the fact that we have found peace with God and we have found peace with others immediately around us. Then we're going to be able to go to those who are not immediately next to us and share the peace of God with them. Our scripture in Matthew uh, 7 uh, gives us a further insight uh, on this. <clears throat> Let me just uh, find that. Verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, it's not too much of a stretch to take that verse and say, Ask for peace, and peace will be given to you. Seek peace, and you will find peace. Knock on the door of peace, and the door of peace will be opened to you. For everyone who asks for peace will receive it. He who seeks peace will find it. And to him who knocks on the door of peace, the door of peace will be opened. 
So it's quite apparent that Jesus wants us to live a life of peace, seeking it, uh, chasing after it is what that word really means. Now, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be able to be perfectly peaceful at all times, living a perfectly peaceful life. That's just not possible. We're human beings. We sin and fall short. But we're at least attempting to live a peaceful life by sharing the power of God's Spirit with others. God's Spirit has come into our life, uh, granted to us the gift of forgiveness and love, and so that then in turn should be reflected into the life of other people around us. We want others to love God as we do, so they can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Jesus said to you that just in this passage, he says, just like a father gives a good gift to his son uh, without thinking about it, uh, God has given us the good gift of his peace, uh, and it should be overflowing into the life of others. And uh, in everything we do, we're seeking after this peace. So the question this morning might be for us is, uh, do we have this peace of God that passes understanding? Do we have the peace that can make a difference first in our own life and then in the life of our family around us and our friends and our community? If you don't have that peace, then you can find that peace by asking Jesus to come and live in your life, by asking him to give you that forgiveness and that love uh, so that you can live your life through the power of his spirit, displaying and reflecting peace wherever you might go. If you're already a follower of Jesus, are you being an example of a peacemaker to others around you? Is your life an example of peace? Uh, you need to ask specifically maybe uh, for God to help you to be the peacemaker uh, that he's called you to be. Uh, shall we pray? Lord, we're thankful today for your peace, uh, and we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be peacemakers. We know, Lord, that without you, it's impossible to live at peace in a troubled world. All around us, we see troubles, but we know within us can live the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, through the power of your Spirit. We pray, Lord, today, if there's one here who does not yet have the peace of God ruling in their heart, that this might be the day when they can come to you and uh, ask you to forgive them and come and put your powerful peace within their life. And Lord, so many of us as Christians, we uh, talk about peace, but we don't live very peacefully. And Lord, help us to find a way in which we can display your peace by trusting in you uh, and trusting in your spirit to guide us in the paths of peace and righteousness. For we pray this in Christ's name, amen.